Welcome back to another season of Capsule RX Podcast. I'm super excited that this year we'll be having some, we'll be adding some new things to the podcast and um, we'll definitely be making some new changes. So just to let y'all know, on Mondays we'll be keeping everything the same. We'll still be releasing our episodes um, on the career, about the profession, different things like that. And then on Tuesdays for our Teach Back Tuesdays, We'll be doing um, some new things this year. So whether it be a infographic, a YouTube video, or just a podcast episode, a very brief episode, probably maximum 10 minutes, or we can do all three, right? We can combine all three and we'll kind of just focus on either like guideline updates, uh, maybe a new drug that just came out, um, or maybe just some some medications that we all kind of know about, but we kind of want to talk about some some counseling points or go more in depth about it. So tune in on Tuesdays for our Teach Back Tuesdays. We'll be kind of going in depth um, on either drugs, disease states, or guideline updates. And then Wednesdays will now be our self care Wednesdays. So you can tune into our new Instagram account at new underscore capsule rx podcast, where we'll be posting some things to kind of check in. Um, with all of our fans and, and followers, all of you guys, uh, we just want to kind of check in, make sure that we're also taking care of ourselves, right? A lot of times we put our um, our patients and our family first and our friends, and we just wanted to make sure that uh, we're able to check in with all of you and see if there's anything that we can do to help you guys out, okay? And then Thursdays, um, we'll keep everything the same on that, Test Your Knowledge Thursdays. So we'll continue to post those NAPLEX-related questions on Instagram, on our story. Um, so that way you guys can kind of go ahead and go in there, um, test your knowledge, and see um, if if you're prepared for the NAPLEX. Or if you just want to go in there and see if you remember some of the things while studying for the NAPLEX, go ahead and check it out. Um, at new underscore capsule RX podcast, Thursdays we'll be posting on our story uh, those those test questions. And then last but not least, Friday will now be um, Fun Fact Friday. So we'll be posting on Fridays um, basically any new content that we can kind of find out. Maybe it's a fun fact or maybe it's just a fact about pharmacy. Uh, You know, there's so many different things that are going on. So maybe there's a new legislation, a new law that's passed, maybe um, has something to do with student loans, you know, different things like that. So we'll just be really giving you some facts on Fridays on some new things that are going on within the profession just to help everybody stay up to date because we know how challenging it is with everything that's going on for everybody to always be privy to the new information that's out there. So we're going to start providing that content for you guys. So you can go ahead and check out our Instagram page. Um, You can check out our TikTok um and if you have any questions you know always feel free to reach out to us and then of course here on the podcast we'll always have some information for you guys and also before i forget i want to give a big shout out to noel who's a christian rap artist who helped prepare some new beats for us so the new beat that you guys just listened to um on the introduction for this episode and some of the featuring or I should say some of the upcoming episodes will be by Noel. So thank you so much for creating the beat. I greatly appreciate it. Um, wanted to have some new things for 2023, so couldn't have done that without you. Um, with all that being said, let's get started with today's episode. Thank you, guys. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule RX Podcast. Today I'll be your host, Dr. Joven Lazell. And today I have a very exciting host, uh, or a very exciting guest, I should say, um, Dr. Laura Chen. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, today's a busy day for me, so I'm excited to produce a lot of content for all of our listeners today. 
And uh, you're my first interview for the t- for the day, but probably my most important. <laughs> so um, today's episode will be kind of focused on that lifelong learning. We always hear about as pharmacy students and as pharmacists that, you know, pharmacy is something where you have to do a lot of continuing education. So we figured it'd be great to have somebody to kind of come in and talk about the importance of being a certified pharmacist or getting some type of um other learning besides just the farm pharmacy degree, whether it's a, a PharmD or the bachelor's if it's in the past. So that's something that we were um, excited to have and super excited to have Dr. Laura Chen with us today to kind of talk about the importance of that. So to start off, can you please provide a brief introduction about yourself, such as like yes. where you're from, <laughs> where you went to pharmacy school, and um, what certifications do you have or plan on getting? Yes. Um, so my name is Laura. I actually graduated graduated from the School um, of Pharmacy at the University of Buffalo. I graduated in 2019, and I did the two plus four program. So that means I did two years of undergrad and then four years of grad school. Uh, I then did a PGY-1 focused in ambulatory care at Advent Health Celebration. Uh, that was from 2019 to 2020. And at the same time, I also got my teaching certificate at the University of Florida. And then I did a PGY-2 um, in ambulatory care at Buffalo Medical Group and the University of Buffalo and, in New York. And I completed that from 2020 to 2021. And at the same time, I also got an advanced teaching certificate with school. I then became board certified uh, for ambulatory care pharmacy in fall of 2021. And then I recently became certified as a diabetes care and educational specialist um, this fall. Wow. Okay, so a, a lot of uh, a lot of letters have been added to the to the end of your name. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, first thing I want to touch upon was that I didn't realize you did the the two plus four um, career path when it came to pharmacy school. Now, is that something where you were able to automatically get into the graduate school, or did you have to apply for it after the two years? Yeah, so that's something that I opted in for coming out of high school. When I applied for the school, I knew I wanted to do pharmacy for my career path. Um, and one of the options that they offered was either a two plus four program or a three plus four program. Um, I had some credits coming in from high school, so I chose a two plus four program. Um, and they do have some requirements that you just have to keep up with, with the GPA during classes that they want you to take. Um, and then as long as you meet those requirements and you pass through the interview process, the, they don't have a farm cast or like the, the PCAT. You don't have to complete that um, to get into pharmacy school. Wow, that sounds nice. I'm, I'm probably going to have to do an episode on the difference between the two. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. So thank you uh, for helping me create more content. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. So to dive a little bit deeper into these certifications. Um, so you mentioned that you have not only a teaching certificate, but also the um, board certified ambulatory care pharmacy um, certification, and then also a diabetes educator um, certification. Mm-hmm. So can you mm-hmm. kind of explain to our audience, like, what requirements you need to have in order to get those certifications and why you decided to do it? Mm-hmm. So for the teaching certificate, I wanted to do that because I had a passion and I do have a passion in precepting students. Um, I had a role model when I was in pharmacy school and she was um, my preceptor at one point and she became my RPD at one point. Um, but she is someone that I look up to um, and I kind of valued that. And for some time, too, I also thought maybe going into teaching would have been an opportunity for me as well. So that's why I chose to do the teaching certificate program. 
um, I did definitely find it helpful because it showed me like um, to think of what a teaching philosophy would be like and to kind of help me to think about what my actual teaching philosophy is and to kind of develop more skills in how I should be precepting and teaching students. Um, but also I feel like that translates over to working with patients too, um, because, especially in ambulatory care because we're counseling and educating so many people. Um, uh, for ambulatory care board certification, um, so there are some requirements that, that you have to meet to be able to take that examination and then um, to become board certified. So it kind of varies between the different, um, uh, like what your experience has been. So either if you've done a PGY-201 and then you have a couple years of experience um, and these experience years have to be within, you know, they have to have at least, I think about 50% have to be in ambulatory care. Um, but you could also do a PGY-1 and a PGY-2 in ambulatory care and you can qualify. Or if you don't have any past experience in residency, um, you can do about, I think it's four years um, of experience in ambulatory care, 50% of the time. Um, and some of these requirements um, have, like, you have to keep up with them. You need to complete um, some required CEs to, to keep up with these qualifications. Um, and then for the board certification for the diabetes care and education specialist, uh, that one required uh, 15 hours of, of CEs, um, and also I believe it was about a thousand hours of diabetes care education. Um, and I qualified for that through my PGY2 experience. And then there was examination with that as well. So would you say that one of the reasons why you did a PGY2 was to kind of help you get all of those requirements that you need in order to get certified in ambulatory care, um, and also to get that diabetes education? Uh, I would say that I chose to do PGY2 um, mainly because of the reason that I wanted more experience in ambulatory care, that I wanted to focus on um, just running my own clinic. Um, and also the program that I had chosen to and I actually matched with uh, was the program that my mentor was um, an RPD for. And she was the um, reason why I did a residency in, in, in the, to begin with and why I wanted to do ambulatory care. And I wanted to have that experience to work with her um, and to learn more with her. So that was the main reason why I did a PGY2. Um, but the secondary reasons would be for, you know, board certification to become a certified in diabetes as well. How would you say those certificates have been beneficial in your career so far? Like, why would someone who, after doing all that schooling, like you mentioned, you did six years, some people do four plus four with the undergrad, then they graduate eight years, and you do a PGY-1 and a PGY-2, so 10 years of almost uh, basically schooling, why do more, you know, at-home learning? What is the benefit? Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, for board certification, it is the gold standard to recognize pharmacists to be qualified and that uh, respective specialty. Um, it also encourages pharmacists to continue learning through specific modules and CEs to maintain their qualifications. Um, so that's why I feel like it's important to um, that it's available out there and for people who are interested um, that, you know, they become board certified in ambulatory care. Um, I also want to be certified in diabetes because I feel like that is also widely recognized. Um, a lot of times if you want to be a diabetes educator, they do require this. Um, certification, whether that be in the hospital setting, if you're running a class for diabetes, um, I feel like that is um, 
a certification by IC that's more of a requirement um, versus the board certification in ambulatory care. So that's one that you would highly recommend if anybody wants to be involved involved in any type of diabetes management. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes. Okay. Perfect. And then um, with the teaching, uh, you mentioned that it definitely the teaching certificate has not only helped you as being a preceptor, but also help with counseling patients. Can you kind of test more to like the value that that has brought to your career? And um, if anybody listening that's kind of hesitant to doing a teaching certificate, why you believe this would be super beneficial, even if they're not doing ambulatory care? Um, as ambulatory care pharmacists and even pharmacists in general, a lot of our um, value is that we provide a lot of counseling for our patients and education, not only to patients, but other providers and and um, healthcare professionals as well. And I believe that everyone, there are different learners out there. Everyone learns differently. There are different ways of teaching. So I feel like the teaching certificate really kind of provides you that experience um, with working with students who learn differently. And also, you're also um, completing the teaching certificate through different experiences. So whether that be skills lab or um, giving a lecture or providing verbal or written feedback. I believe that these are all things that kind of tie in to help build skills on providing education to patients and physicians and nurses. Um, but I feel like that just helps pharmacists in general in our career. Yeah. No, and that makes sense too, because I'm just thinking from from the hospital perspective, like, you know, a lot of in-services that are done with the pharmacy team where we do in-services with nursing um, to help educate them on certain things or different departments. And that's something where, you know, having that teaching background, you can help create whether it's PowerPoint slides um, or some type of um, handout material that makes sense to the reader. You know, you've had these experiences Mm -hmm. with students or in a classroom setting teaching to where you can it'll help you create content um, that will be easily understandable to the audience that you're trying to preach it to because you could, you know, create an incredible infographic or incredible PowerPoint slide. But if you're not catering to the audience, it's going to be tough for them to understand. So that's a great mm-hmm. point that I never really thought about. And thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. So like we said, it's it's tough, right? We, we spend a lot of time in school um, and this is some extra learning that you have to do. How challenging would you say it was for you to to get certified? Um, you know, did you kind of map out your day like, hey, um, did you work a little bit less to make make time to study and prepare for it? Do you feel like the PGY one, PGY two helped prepare you enough to where you know you only did maybe a couple hours a day? Like, what was your process to help you get certified? For the board certification, I feel like I prepped more for that versus for my um, diabetes care and education specialist exam. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I felt like to me, I made it more of a big deal, the board certification <laughs> ambulatory care. Um, but I also feel like through, you know, going through school, prepping for the NAPLEX, going through my PGY1 and my PGY2, I feel like those definitely prepared me. And by that time, I'm taking like, what, a million exams already by this time. So really, it was just trying to um, focus on reviewing that information that I had. So um, I believe I spent maybe about two months um, studying for that exam. I got high yields. That's one of the um, uh, study materials that are available um, out there. And I chose that just based on the reviews that I had received from friends who also took the exam and went through high yields as well. Um, 
but I spent maybe a couple hours each day preparing for this exam, going through each section, review material, um, taking some practice questions. Um, and I think I took maybe a day or two um, off of work because at that time I was working per diem. Um, so I didn't have like a full, you know, rigid schedule that I had to stick with. Um, so it was pretty flexible. My um, director was completely okay with me taking um, a couple of days off just to prepare for the exam, especially most, mostly mentally because <laughs> I <laughs> get really nervous um, taking exams. Um, so that was kind of like my how I prepped for that exam. And then for the certification in diabetes, um, I spent maybe my spare time when I get home from work, the couple hours that I have, and then most of my weekends I spent um, studying for that exam. But I used material that was available online. Um, the board um, certification um, website also has material that's available, so they have practice exams and also um, a textbook that they have that just kind of goes over diabetes care in general. So it's not really exactly material that is um, meant to help you to prepare for the exam, but it's more of just information talking about diabetes care in general. So I think that was a great resource um, that I had and I continue to use to this day. Oh, okay. And so just to make sure I have the name correct, you said it's High Yield Med Reviews for the yes, high, BCACP? Yes, High Yield um, Med Reviews for BCACP, but they also have available um, like other specialties as well if you're interested. Um, it's led by this one doctor um, who was a pharmacist and then he became an MD. Um, but also if high yield isn't, you know, if you look into it and you feel like high yield is not maybe not the best study material for you, um, I believe AP, um, ASHP or APHA and ACTP also have um, material available as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I'll try to find some links and I'll, I'll put in the show notes for today's episode for anybody that's thinking of being certified. So that way you have some some quick access to some resources that can help you prepare. Yeah, and I can also send you some too so you can share with the audience. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Laura. You're welcome. Um, with the diabetes, what um, education, when you were preparing for that, what are some of the things you learned while studying or preparing for that exam that you didn't realize before? Um, I think a lot of things that I learned was more on the physical activity recommendations and the nutrition recommendations, mostly because that's not stuff that we learn in pharmacy school or you don't focus in. Um, I believe that is a main focus for diet, uh, dietitians to focus in in their schooling. Um, and so the sections that I knew best, which were mostly pharmacology, um, that stuff I kind of knew, but a lot of the other stuff, like based on, um, you know, the nutrition and physical like activity recommendations. Uh, sorry, what did you say? Like a lot of lifestyle factors. Yes, exactly. Lifestyle modifications. Okay. And then with the diabetes certificate, they went over everything, type one, type two, gestational. Mm -hmm, yeah, okay. mostly type one and type two and some gestational as well, but mostly generally diabetes, how to manage it, how to treat it, how to diagnose it, lifestyle modifications, um, pharmacological recommendations, titration of insulin doses, but everything under the umbrella of diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure like w one thing I'm thinking of that I know nothing about is insulin pumps. So I'm sure that was that was fun reviewing that one. Yeah. And luckily I had my PGY2 experience. Um, I had a lot of experience with insulin pumps and uh, CGMs and monitoring. So that came in pretty handy. Perfect. Yeah. 
I'm sure I'm sure it did because that's <laughs> not something that everybody uh experiences. So when it comes to being a lifelong learner as a pharmacist, why do you think it's so important for you to keep getting these certifications or keep um adding on adding letters to your last name is what I like to call it. <laughs> what is the value in that? I feel like life is all about learning, whether that's within your career or your personal life. So pharmacy is always ever changing with new discoveries and medications and studies. So I feel like it's important to keep up with the times and provide the best care for our patients. Um, so that if we don't continue to learn, we would still be practicing the way we did years and decades and centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like it's it's the tough thing is that science is always evolving and it evolves mm-hmm. exponentially. It's not really linear. So it's like today what you learn could be completely different in two years. Absolutely. Like, um mm-hmm. art like the Naplex book that I have from um two years ago is gonna be completely different in like a year. <laughs> just yeah. that's just how <laughs> medicine is and, and the knowledge that we have about disease states and whatnot. And that's something that is exciting and it can be pretty overwhelming at times too so i'm sure it can give some people a little bit of anxiety um and they feel like you know how can i keep up with this but you know learning from you and interviewing you today it sounds like it's just something that's a natural flow of the process and it's just like anything else you know you prepared for school and you're able to get the degree you prepared for the netflix exam and you're able to pass it so the Mm -hmm. testing anxiety starts to kind of go away a little bit um you have a lot of experience of you being successful with exams. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this situation to try to get certified, right? So mm-hmm. having that positive outlook and then just seeing what matters to you, what kind of um, career you'll be taking in. Because I know there's there's a lot of different certifications. You can be a critical care pharmacist and get certified. Um, inventory care we talked about. I believe there's also MTM. Um, and there's, I think, long-term care facility as well. So there's a lot of different certifications that you can kind of find in the realm that you're interested in. And even if you don't want to get certified in something, there's a lot of different, um, little programs that you can do or different, um, I can't think of the word right now, but different activities that you can do that can kind of show that you have experience in something. And mm-hmm. as you touched upon, it's, it's ever evolving and it's growing. And this is something that, uh, whether you like it or not, it's probably going to be part of, <laughs> of our career. And it's right. something that it helps us to make sure that we're staying on top of our knowledge to provide the best care for our patients, because that's ultimately what our job is, um, mm-hmm. to do the best that we can for our patients, whether it's direct care in a more of an inventory care setting or indirect care, whether it's um, verifying medications or rounding with the physician and, and, the, and the APRNs and um, physician assistants. So, mm-hmm. It's really something that we should be applying every day and we should be trying to further our knowledge to help better our our patients and help improve our profession as well. Because with the more certifications and the more opportunities we have, uh, the better that we can be and the better and stronger our profession will be as a whole. So um, I think it's very inspirational um, that you're doing this, that you've already gotten two certifications. You know, you just recently finished your PGY2. So I don't know if you realize how impressive that is, but I just want to give you your flowers right now. Um that's tough. You know, that's tough to do right out, right out of residency. And, um, it's definitely inspirational to me and hopefully some other people that are listening to kind of get them to get some board certifications or to kind of further their knowledge and take on this task of being a lifelong learner. For my last question, Laura, in the next three to five years, where do you kind of see the future of pharmacy heading? 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that would definitely depend on the setting and the needs of that setting. Um, but at least for the near future, I can see transitions of care expanding, um, especially because of the push from insurers and payers to decrease hospitalization rates and for costs. Um, but I also see population health um, as another um, thing that's going to be up and coming. Um, this focuses on this is a focus from insurers and payers and even hospital um, hospitals and health systems that want to focus on how do we prevent these patients becoming um, ill in the first place? How do we target, you know, what is the big problem in our in our community? And how do we help these patients to reduce um, hospitalization rates and costs as well? So I feel like that's where it's slowly heading, at least in the near future. Um, but hopefully, ultimately, in the and maybe not so far of a future, maybe closer, uh, more ambulatory care services um, that are more available, maybe ambulatory care pharmacists in every single physician's office and every single health system, every hospital. That's going to be my dream. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. And I forgot to ask you one, one other question in the episode, okay. but I wanted to ask you, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you had to face um, trying to get certified? And how did you handle those challenges? I would say trying to find time to study um, would be my biggest challenge to becoming board certified, um, especially because there's no pause, you know, there's no break in your in your work schedule usually, um, especially with my commute. I commute a long distance to and from work. So trying to find that and fit that in into my schedule. Um, was kind of difficult, but I felt like that was my biggest hurdle. Um, but I would recommend, you know, mapping out, having a schedule, something that you know that you can stick with um, would be ideal and trying to stick with that. But also try not to focus too much on the little details. Focus on, think about what you see the most, what is in practice the most, because I feel like those are going to be your main questions as well, because a lot of times these questions are written by providers and physicians or um, people who were also were in your shoes, um, people who are actually practicing for other pharmacists who are out there. So they're writing questions based on what their experiences have been, what they find that are going to be important and what they find to be relevant. So I feel like that would be my biggest advice. But yeah, my biggest, I think, challenge would have been finding time to study um, with having a you know, a full, a full time job. Definitely. I can see that being a big problem. And yeah, I think you touch upon something not only for, for board certification purposes, exams, but also even the NAPLEX, I would say, um, yeah. try to think more general, more broad, not into the very minute details of everything that's going on. Cause you have to think of it. It's, it's a standardized exam. So in the case of a certification, it probably will be written um, by doctors or maybe some nurse practitioners or PAs to like, these are the questions they have. And so they want to make sure that you're prepared to respond to those questions. And it might be questions that patients have, like you said, about a lot of lifestyle factors where, you know, we learn a lot about diabetes and how to manage, but how much do you know about the exercise that they should do? And how much do you know about the right meals that they should have and the portions and whatnot? So knowing those those answers to those questions that patients and um, any prescriber or provider might have um, would be important in order to pass the exam. And not only that, but be important whenever you're working in that field. 
help prepare you to respond to the questions that they'll, that they'll have for you, like on the spot, instead of having to delay some time and look it up, you know, you, you spent the time to study and learn these things and you'll be able to respond quickly. And that will help build that trust that, um, we all care about have being an interprofessional relationship with these different, um, providers. So that's something that I think was a great point. I appreciate you, uh, taking the time out to mention that today. And that was, um, and that was it, you know, that's it for all the questions I have for you. Uh, Laura, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're, you're a busy woman, but I'm glad we're <laughs> able to get you on. Um, now, did you have any questions for me before I let you go? Yeah. So you've asked me a lot of questions about myself. Um, yes. but I do want to ask you, what advice would you want to give, um, to students or young professionals who want to get started on podcasting? That is a great question, Laura. Um, what advice would I give? The first thing I would say is, does it have to be pharmacy related or anything? I think just anything. Anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Find your niche and then outsource. So I think a lot of times people try to copy what they see is working. So mm -hmm. there might be other people doing a podcast they listen to, they love it, they think it's great, and they try to imitate that instead of realizing like, that podcast that became big at first had a very core niche audience and then they continued to grow and grow and grow and then they became more broad. So I think a lot of times you have to find your, your niche and there's becoming more and more podcasters by the day. So that's mm -hmm. going to be harder and that's not to discourage you from doing it. But if you can find your niche and whatever you want to do, make it specific to that. And then once you have your core following, your core audience, they're not going to leave if you start to broaden out. You know, maybe you do 30 minute episodes on, let's say we'll, we'll keep it pharmacy related. Let's say you mm -hmm. do 30 minute episodes specifically on diabetes. And then you start to expand to doing cardiology and that relates to diabetes, right? And then maybe mm -hmm. you start doing um, a little bit about um, nephrology and that also relates to diabetes. So you start expanding slowly within the niche that you built. And then you have people that are interested in endocrinology. Then you have people that are interested in cardiology starting to listen to. And then you start to build that way. Maybe you get into um, other endocrinology disease states and do thyroid or, or whatever the case may be. So starting off with a niche audience and then building that way. And depending on another thing too would be your audience. You always want to make sure you're creating content for your audience. So if it's pharmacists, you know, it might be a little bit more knowledgeable than it would be for students where you want to keep it more at a baseline level um, to not overwhelm them. And then another thing I would say too is no more than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> don't make episodes too long because a lot of people uh do not have the attention span to listen for longer than an hour so they mm -hmm. want to listen in their car drive 20 30 minutes um to an hour max uh because that's that's the time it's usually in their free time you know mm -hmm. or i shouldn't even say their free time sorry it's usually in their their free time while being busy so what i mean by that is when they're going to the gym instead of listening to music oh i'll listen to 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 capsule rx today while driving to work or going home from work, oh, okay, I'll listen to it. Um, when I'm flying somewhere, I'll listen to it. So it's really not at a point in time where they're completely free, where they're listening to a podcast. It's usually some background noise or some supplemental um, noise while they're already doing an activity. So you always want to keep that in mind. And that activity is usually going to be 30 minutes to an hour. So you want to try to target that range um, for your content. And I guarantee you, you'll get a lot of listeners. I've noticed for myself when we had episodes more than an hour, we don't have as many people that's just like, oh, it's too much. I can't listen to the whole thing. Like that's the mm -hmm. feedback I get. 
So I would mm-hmm. definitely recommend less than an hour. Start with a niche core audience um, and core topics and then start to branch out from there. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to pivot. I think a lot of people are afraid to try different things. Like when you're first starting out, start niche. But like I said, try different things. Maybe start doing endocrinology, um, diff- different disease states, cardiology, whatever the case may be. And don't be afraid to try different things because um, then you'll you'll learn what works and that'll help you grow from there. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice, especially the part about finding your niche, because I feel like if you find your niche, you're definitely going to um, project more and you're going to sound, you know, like you're interested in what you're talking about and you're going to grab your audience better, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the passion will be there because the passion is what you chose it to be. So you always be passionate about that. It's not going to feel like work. They can, the listeners can sense your passion and, and your interest and intrigue. So mm-hmm. by you doing that, it's only going to make them want to listen more. And even if they don't listen, it might make them want to support you. So whether or not if you're trying to do this for monetary purposes, like I, I don't have any merch, but if people have merch or different things like that, um, they might be interested in buying it and supporting you just because mm-hmm. of um, the effort you put in or the interest and the passion that you have to make this thing great. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that advice. So if I ever have a student or anyone come to me asking me about this podcast or <laughs> asking about how they can get started in podcasting or if they even have an interest in it, I will have some advice from you that I can pass on to them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, you have my information, so you can always reach out. Um, I would love to. That's actually something I thought about is I would love to be able to get like an elective with a college of pharmacy or something and mm-hmm. kind of talk about social media, um, yeah. how to create like infographics on social media or mm-hmm. being able to produce um, a podcast or any type of recording or visual audio, because I think that's kind of the future of pharmacy too, where a lot of um, telehealth is becoming yeah. important. So they might be iPads where we can show like, Hey, you can create this video and you can send it to them this way and they can watch it on their iPad um, mm-hmm. and how to, to edit video content, how to enter, edit audio content and how to record and whatnot if you know proper lighting all that stuff to set up so i think that would be pretty cool and unique and kind of add to um just a unique experience to kind of add to somebody's skill set yeah it would definitely help in in education skills and even networking too yeah yeah definitely so we'll see We'll see if that happens. I'm speaking into existence now, uh, but that's something I'm trying to work on and um, stay tuned because it might happen, but uh, just, just stay tuned. Um, but thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share with our audience today? Final words, final thoughts? I would say definitely stick with your passion. Um, don't get board certified just because you want to. Um but become board certified because you have a passion in continuing your education and your learning as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, drop the mic moment by Laura. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely follow your passion and don't just do it because somebody told you to do it. Mm-hmm, or somebody says it's good for you. Um, yeah. Stick to your passions and that way you actually enjoy studying for it and it won't yep. feel feel like a drag. But Thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate it. Um, let you get back to your busy day. Uh, <laughs> if anybody has any questions or would like to reach out to you about, you know, some of the material you used and more about your process of preparing for the board certifications, um, is there a good email or LinkedIn? Any contact information that I could leave with the audience? Yeah, I have. Um, you can send me an email. It's laura.chan at 
Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I don't remember my link, but I will give it to Jovin so he can link it for you. Perfect. Yeah, I'll put them both in the show notes to everybody listening. Um, so if you're interested in, in being board certified like I am, uh, so I might be emailing <laughs> Laura, uh, please feel free to reach out to Laura and to get some more information. Uh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan, for having me.